All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 257. Jacques Vaughn is in for the Brooklyn Nets, and they look like they actually want to play basketball now. What the hell is going on in Minnesota? Do these guys even want to play? Russ is thriving off the bench. And you know we're going to talk about the Los Angeles Clickers. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. The True Players Podcast, episode 257. Drew just informed me that it's been 13 days since you recorded, but we've had some things happening around here. (laughs) And I've come to the conclusion that if load management was a podcaster, Drew, it would be me. It would be me right now. Because your boy (laughs) Clips has been going through it the past uh, about week and a half. Drew's been dodging hurricanes, which we're going to talk about in a sec. But look, man, physically, I, I have been a wreck. My eyes, as, as all you guys know, have been an issue. I'm now, again, wearing shades as we do this podcast. Uh, had sciatica in my back yeah. this past week, which is by far, it, by far, the, it is the precipice of hurtfulness, of pain. It is the worst <laughs> thing. I wish it upon no one. Mm-hmm. Um and when you live alone, Drew, it makes it even worse. And we take, yeah. for, we take for granted putting on your socks in the morning, using the bathroom, having a quality night's sleep, sleep, sleep in general, you can't do. <laughs> so right as I, you know, I finally got to get up to LA to go see my boy, Dr. Armin Manucharian, who listens to our show, Dr. Manuch, my homie, um, finally got to see him. He took good care of me, uh, trying to get the back ready to go get this sciatica gone. This guy put me on a machine. Drew. Let me tell you about this machine really quick. <laughs> it's like, you know how, when you get an ultrasound, you know, you rub jelly, rub jelly on the tummy and sure. you got that little gun. So imagine the jelly and imagine the gun, but imagine like a little golf ball on the end. So it's a little round thing on the end. And you know, sciatica is like your butt. Right. And yeah. you know, I pointed out where it was. Do- Dr. Manuch is like, all right, clips like, Pull them down. You got to. And I'm like, Armin, I don't care. Pull them down. Whatever. Just fix me. Right. <laughs> and he's like, you know, this, this might hurt a little bit. I'm like, I don't care. So it, it zaps you, bro. Shockwaves. You put it on 10. Oh. Well, it rebuilds your cells. It's like the stem cell rebuilder. Right. Wow. And so it makes this pop sound. It goes pop, 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 pop. And he's looking for it. Right. And he tells you, he's okay. Tell me when you feel it. And so he started out pop. I got nothing. I'm like, dude, this is a piece of cake. Pop, pop. Then he hit the spot, bro. He hit the G spot. And it was, he told, he had to tell, I bit the pillow, dude. This was some of the most pain I've ever felt in my life. Okay. And coming back from that is difficult. I'm pretty sure Armin and I are dating now. I think it's that it was that bad. Um, But look, man, uh, I, I wish it upon nobody. It's been 13 days since we, since we recorded, and we just had to get through this today. There, we want to make mm. this podcast as fast as possible because we do have a Clipper game at five, and then you know I can't be sitting for longer than 25 minutes. But <laughs> Drew, you dodged a hurricane and you made it. I did. Well, you know, I just think I think last week was just not in the cards for us. It no. was just with the podcast gods were like, you know, this week is just not it's not a podcast week for you guys. We're making it the, the utmost difficulty with your health issues. And yeah, I yeah, I was out in Orlando, supposed to pop in for two days and pop back out. And, uh, you know, Mother Nature had had other plans for me. We had a tropical storm. Nicole come through. Uh, Can and I say I a fun fact? I, What's that? The fun, can I say a fun fact really fast? Go ahead, please. Uh, fun fact, the last two devastating hurricanes have been yeah. named after me and my sister. So let me tell you, <laughs> Mama Clips ain't too happy right now. Anyways, continue. Uh, it's so funny, man. Back to back. That's what they kept saying. Back to back. Ian and Nicole. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I actually dated a girl named Nicole in, in college. They're and great. Nicole's are great. Nicole, but she's great. Yeah, she, I hope she's doing well. But. Uh, I was saying that this was her revenge on ah. on me, like finally catching up. Like, you know what? I'm going to I finally have this opportunity to 
uh, delay, you know, some plans that he has, and I'm going to, I'm going to do it for the, for all the suffering I've caused her. So anyway, um, it really sucks for Florida. I gotta be honest with you, man. That's, that's a tough, that's a tough spot. The whole East coast where that, that tropical storm slash hurricane hit, uh, just got hit. So I, I do, I feel real bad for them, but luckily for, for us in Orlando, it really didn't, didn't hit too hard other than the fact that the airports got closed and we had, you know, jammed up all of our travel plans. So Needless to say, that was my first and hopefully last hurricane slash tropical storm experience. Slash you, trip to Orlando. You don't need to be going there. Yeah, I know. We live super close to Disneyland. Like, there's no reason for us to have to go to Orlando. Uh, but, you know, you know, we got to do some stuff for, for work every once in a while. <laughs> uh, but I was we were all safe uh, as far as where we were and, and, and the place in, in general. Just, uh, yeah, it, it changed things for us. But I'm, I'm home now. I'm stoked. Stoked to be back on the West Coast where, you know, games started in a normal time where where, you know, Monday Night Football starts at five instead of eight fifteen or, uh, you know, the, the the first round of games don't start at seven thirty. They start at four thirty like they're supposed to. Uh, and I can get a good night's sleep without having to stand up till one one thirty in the morning trying to watch hoop. You got to be a really big basketball fan. I remember being in New York. During basketball season, I was so excited to go to the bar and watch the game. And they're like, yeah, the game doesn't start for another five hours. <laughs> like, you know what? I don't need to see the Nuggets that bad tonight, actually. <laughs> um, for real, man. For real. Like, happy hour for us starts when the games start out here on the West Coast. Happy hour on the East Coast. It's, it's like six, seven o'clock. That's when happy hour starts. I'm like, dude, that's way too late for happy hour. Oh, <laughs> we, can't, we can't be waiting that late. We are it's so blessed. Okay, but I do. To your point, though, like the dedication, uh, the, you know, the people that do stay up on the East Coast, like big shout out to you guys, like the ones that like are the diehard NBA fans that start at seven and don't go to bed till one, like tip of the cap. And I totally understand why you miss, you know, the the Portland Trailblazers or the Clippers or the Lakers playing. I totally get it. But even further to extrapolate, like we have some really diehard NBA fans from international communities. Mm. Big shout out to you guys. I don't know how the hell you do it. I don't know. Even getting up at, at you know, at the wee hours of the morning or, you know, trying to watch it like while you're making breakfast or whatever, like that's, that's a tip of the cap action there as well. So all the international fans that tune into us and tune into the NBA, you got, you got a lot of respect from your boy Drew over here. Facts and the dedication from your boys who are clips is hanging on by a thread right now. And Drew's still yeah. <laughs> still on East Coast time. So really quick before we get into basketball, shout out to Dr. Manicharian, my guy Armin. If you need any back help in L.A., mm. let me know. I'll plug you. And then shout out to our boy Ease in the Breeze. My guy sent me all of the supplements that I need. Magnesium's the word for the day, guys. Hey. I've, I, you want to know how you know you're getting old when you're having conversations about magnesium four times a day. That's exactly what. <laughs> so I appreciate the plug. But look, we got a couple things I want to get into. We left our last podcast with everything that was going on with Kyrie and whatnot. We gave our opinions on, on that situation. And while I, like everybody else, thought that he should uh, apologize in the correct way, he did. Kyrie came out with an apology. It was, very, it was a very Kyrie apology, but it was an apology nonetheless. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it, I thought it was good. And it... Uh, also, it doesn't matter what I think about the apology. It's how everybody else feels about the apology. I thought it was it was enough, right? And it's not enough, obviously. And I think, like everybody knows by now, this whole you know six-step program that he has to go to to be able to play basketball again, I will say I think is some bullshit because I've never seen that before in my life. I've never seen it happen with anybody else in my life. I, I read this morning that, you know, Kyrie and his family met with Josiah and his family and Josiah came out and said, you know, I don't think Kyrie is anti-Semitic. No shit. I know. I mean, he never has been right. But this six step program, Drew, apologize and condemn the film he promoted. Make a 500K donation to anti-hate causes, complete sensitivity training, complete anti-Semitism training, meet with the ADL and Jewish leaders, meet with team owner Josiah to demonstrate an understanding of the situation. I think it's extra. And I understand why a lot of people of the community are upset about that because we haven't seen that. And if you remember on the last show, we talked about accountability, right? I think he took accountability for it. I think he knows that he was wrong and you should be able to move forward with this. We didn't see anything like this for Brett Favre that just happened this week. Like none of that or last week, excuse me. Anthony Edwards didn't have to go. All he had to do was say, sorry. 
and you know we're going to move forward. But I think since it's Kyrie, uh, it's a little extra. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know where the like the six step process was formulated and why they thought that that was you know uh, a require that those should be requirements for him to come back. I will say that the apology process was a bit like pulling teeth right you know i mean to to tie it into our woes and to our injuries that another medical activity if you will is pulling teeth and that's i mean it it did feel like time and time again there was a very easy way out for Kyrie here right and i think perhaps what happened is his uh inability to just plainly say sorry in some capacity uh, and the dragging of the feet in, in doing so led to this this long laundry list of things that he has to do now. This is completely unprecedented. Now, the things that they're asking of him are not like, I think people are making a really big deal of all these steps in these processes, which I understand. Like, it's, it, I don't think that should be required of him, right? Come out and say you're sorry. Come out and say I didn't, I didn't realize or whatever it is that he needs to apologize for. <laughs> and however he likes to articulate, I'll leave to him. He said what he said. But the uh, the process with which he has to go through just I mean, it, they're not bad things. <laughs> These are all good things that they're asking of him. But it, it does seem like way too much uh, for such a, a small action. Right. Like he, he tweeted about something and now now he has to go through like this whole program just to get back on the court. So I I will say that there's probably a combination there in the timing and the lack of uh, just out and out denying that he's uh, anti-Semitic and, and that he doesn't hold the beliefs that are shared within the film uh, or even just sharing why he, why in the first place he felt like he needed to tweet it out. That's like, it. That's yeah. it right there, Drew. That's, you, that's it. That's all, that's he, had all to he needed to do. But I right. think, I do think it was because he, he just kept not doing that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that they were like, okay, well, if you're not going to do this, we're going to, we're going to put some very serious you know steps in place. But I agree with you, man. And I agree with the, the majority of the consensus here is like, look, uh, he has apologized. I think whatever steps that he needs to take on his own journey would be great to come from him. Like if he was the one that was saying, I, I would like to speak with people. I think we would all have it, you know, a different a different look at it. But when it be when it's being mandated down to him with no other precedent, just like you went through some of the other instances, no one's had to do this type of stuff. Uh, it it's feels not authentic. A bit, it's not genuine. It feels a bit much. It mm-hmm. feels a bit much. Yeah. And like even the 500K, like you're, the NBA is going to make you pay $500,000. Right. Like that just seems so, so much. And I think it's just because of Kyrie. And, I, you know, there's a bigger picture about it too, Drew. Like, why are we holding Twitter? Like, why is Twitter the end all be all of like, it can end your career. It can make your career. <laughs> and again, we're going back to Amazon still, still selling selling the uh the movie right they're the ones making the money on it even it came out man people dug on reddit like doug shacks come out and said his piece about Kyrie irving but shack owns movie theaters that played this movie that people Mm. went to go see so shacks made money off of it right and uh i just think it's because it's Kyrie. i don't think if this was anybody else if this was if this was Kawhi leonard if this was steph curry i think they would have had the presence of mind though to be outright deny or explain why they did what they did and it would have given us a better understanding like i was talking to our boy stanley about it and stanley uh, was the one that said like, look, man, I think I got to see the movie now and just see what, the, hmm. and, and to see what they're talking about and see like, w- w- you know, what this means as a whole. But I think the general public and the media would have had a better understanding of where Kyrie was coming from if he just would have explained it. You know, yeah. that's, that's all I'm saying. I agree. I mean, it's a very vague repost and retweet. And I think that's what happens, especially when you are a public figure in the way that Kyrie is is that when you're vague, people, it leaves it open to for interpretation. And what we all do in the media sphere, even if new media or not, whatever version of media you want to talk is, we will take vague things and we'll make them <laughs> very specific mm-hmm. uh, because we're allowed to draw our own conclusions and or we're almost forced to draw our own conclusions when it's that vague. So um, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to not having to talk about this <laughs> and to have him back on the court again if that is actually what happens here which it does seem like that is going to be the case because as you talked about they they did meet you know Kyrie and, and Joe Sai were able to meet on some capacity in some level 
Um, and I, I, the five games, I believe, is already up. It was or, up last night against the Lakers. And then they said that he might be out for an additional three games. So I don't know what that's about. I don't know if that's something Kyrie requested. I don't know if that's something Joe Sire, the Nets, requested. But he's not on the court yet. Uh, I do look forward to him being back on the court. And I think the Nets do too, man, because they just lost to the Lakers. And that's about as low as it gets right on the totem pole for NBA teams right well, now. Well, you can you can thank the Clippers for that. We wore them out on the on that back-to-back. <laughs> um, but really quick, you know, even, even the five games, which is up, um, also the Nike, the Nike relationship has been suspended. The Kyrie eights were supposed to come right. out. Like this is just such a big deal, uh, for him. And, and it, even the conversation in the media of having like, man, maybe Kyrie played his last game. I just hate it. I hate that. It may, cause right. if I'm Kyrie too, and from what we think we know about Kyrie, like he might be the guy to be like, man, fuck this. You're going to make me what, <laughs> what, ha- what happened to Myers Leonard, right? Besides the fact that we never heard a word from him again after he made his statements. Did he have to right. do anything like this? And maybe his bread ain't as thick as Kyrie's bread. But look, man, there's a double standard here. And we all know what the double standard is. So um, I don't think this is the last we hear about it. I don't think it's the last of Kyrie speaking his truth, which he should. And that, if that is your truth, so be it. But for for people to get a better understanding, I just you need to explain a little bit. Let us know why you did this and why you feel this way. And it would give just a, it would give everybody a broader spectrum of how to look at at certain things moving forward. Mm-hmm. The Nets did do something smart for the first time ever, Drew. I think in the, at least the last two years. <laughs> I, I think the ink was about to dry on Ime Adoka being the coach, right? And we were right. both very vocal about the fact that this would be a catastrophic move for these guys to hire this coach. And we <laughs> wanted, we plugged for Jacques Vaughn. I think the Nets felt, I think the Nets, were, they were going for Ime. 100%, this is our next guy, until they saw the media cycle the next day. And I think they got bullied into, like, you know what, maybe we should give Jaka a chance. Because the look that that would have given the Nets uh, would have been horrible. It would have been a bad look for women, uh, you know, their approach to women in the workplace. It would have been a bad look for for a lot of things happening. Maybe it was the powers that be higher up in the NBA being like, look, man, right. this dude's suspended. You, you can't hire him, right? But right. It, it's weird when we're talking about the Nets because Jacques gets his shot again. I mean, we're not even counting Orlando because that was just horrible. But Jacques <laughs> deserves a chance. He knows this team. We both said he he deserves a shot at coaching this team. And then watching them play the first game with him was night and day between Steve mm. Nash and, and Jacques Vaughn. And to me, that just says, you know what? These guys weren't sold on Steve Nash at all. They weren't playing for Steve Nash. They didn't give a fuck what this guy had to say and immediately flip a switch. Did you notice that? Yeah, I think I think just energy levels, right? It almost it did like oh, it literally felt like a weight was lifted. I mean, at least from Kevin Durant, right? I I didn't see a lot of smiles coming off of KD first couple games of that season. Um and I've seen a lot of smiles on him. Now even just just general interactions with his teammates with the coaching staff, I'm assuming there also might have been some sort of push from the players to get Jock Bond the the coaching gig for the rest of the year, right? Like if if the Ime thing fell out of place for whatever reasons, we we can only speculate because it never happened. But I'm assuming there could have been some really valid reasons on both ends, both both the Nets and Ime's, and why it didn't why it didn't happen right then. But I think potentially when when Ime's uh, signing just kept being delayed, it's like, well, OK, well, are they going to announce it? Like everyone's assuming it's Ime Udoka and then all, it's not happening. It's not happening day after day. Maybe internally, Kevin and, and some of the other guys in the Nets were like, let's just rock with Jacques, you know, like, let's do it because he is he's been there for a long time. He's a, he is a veteran of the NBA. He clearly has a, a great relationship with um, at least Kevin Durant, from what I can tell, because they gave him the the game ball after his very first win. And, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for Jacques Vaughn. I think it's still going to be a tough, it's not, not going to be an easy job to get it done for him, but certainly uh, the players to your point specifically seem to be happy that Nash is gone. And now Jacques is the head coach. And I think that that really is all it takes, right? You know, all these X's and O's and like, Oh, out of bounds plays or defensive rotation. Nah, you know, really a lot of it is like belief and a lot of it is deeply rooted in that like kind of emotion and, and the ability to want to work hard and, and the drive that can come with 
um, you know, that good feeling when you, when you're like, you know, I want to, I want to play for this coach. I want to do what he is asking of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that showed up uh, as soon as Jacques took over. Yeah, I agree. And you, had, you had taken the words right out of mouth, out of my mouth with the way Kevin Durant's been engaging with teammates and coaches. And then what I've noticed is even the post game sound bites, you know, even mm-hmm. in his post game interviews, he's funny. Even in the L last night, he was telling really good stories. It's totally different, dude. It's night and day. He's not combative. He's not unresponsive. He looks. He just looks like in a better place. And I think this is this might be the turning point. Obviously, I think they need Kyrie back, but getting Seth back, who's obviously been big, big for them in the games that he's been playing in. Um, but it, it's gonna. I'm gonna be curious to see what the next month, month and a half looks like, especially with what's going to happen with Kyrie. Cause you know, KD wants him back and they need him mm-hmm. back if they're going to make this, yeah. this, this push. I think it's interesting too. Cause like this also coincided with like this kind of change in play coincided with Kyrie's absence and Ben Simmons hasn't been playing like, and, you know, he, I don't, for whatever reasons, I don't, I, I, I'm not caught up on exactly what's wrong with him right now, but uh, he's not playing either. He's in street clothes again. So, and it's, it is strange though that like the defense from what I saw that the, the, the Nets were like the worst defense in the NBA. And then in the first week of November, they vaulted all the way up to the, n- the number one defense in the NBA, but it was without Kyrie and without Ben Simmons. It's very strange, something that it was, it's worth noting. Uh, but to your point too, Seth Curry, not, not available really yet. Uh, Joe Harris is looking good, pretty good on his, on his return now after a long time, but TJ Warren too. Uh, that's another guy that we know will will add some significant scoring depth and wing depth to this team that doesn't have a lot right now. Uh, so it is interesting because it feels like Jacques, while he got the job, hasn't really fully been able to just in the same way that Steve Nash might have also had this problem, hasn't had the full complement of players. But we assume that he will. Jacques will have these guys back. I don't know, in a couple weeks, maybe well, Seth, is, Seth is back. Seth torched the Clippers the other day. He's the reason why they they won. Yeah, 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 but he he's still sitting out back to backs. Right. Does anybody play back to backs anymore? Anyways, yeah. <laughs> it's a true question, bro. It's a it's an honest question. I don't think so. I think Kelly Olynyk is the only one. Kelly Olynyk's the only guy playing back to backs. Um, there is one. So there's a team I want to talk about that we that we kind of never talk about, but it's time to put them on front street a little bit. I've watched a lot of their games, and I'm tired of them. You know, how I get tired of these teams, right? I told you I was over Orlando, yep. even though I'm still watching Orlando because Mo Bamba's my my unicorn. And I love this guy. Not Mo Bamba, excuse me, Bol Bol. Even though I like well, Mo Bamba both too. Both of them. Yeah, I was going to say both of them are your guys. My God, they're so long, Drew. Orlando's so long. <laughs> but that's not who I want to talk about. I, my question, I want to go through a couple things, and I'm going to ask you these. The I want you to answer these questions. But what the hell is going on in Minnesota? Okay? Yeah. They had the biggest blockbuster trade of the summer. I'm quoting blockbuster trade of the summer. Yeah. And in a, in a Clipper reference, you know, the Clippers have gotten a lot of slack flack over the past four years for, you know, mortgaging our franchise to get Paul George, which inevitably got us Kawhi Leonard, but we gave up a lot, right? Just wh- every time I watch SGA, it's just pissing me off so much. Oh, I know. God. I know. SGA is just balling yeah. right now, but look, yeah. Minnesota made a huge, a huge, uh, uh, move by Campbell. getting Gobert, and it's not really the six and eight start that's bugging me. There's a lot more to it. Um, mm. Like say whatever you want about Pat Bev, but this is the guy that they're missing right now. And what I'm seeing from Minnesota is absolutely nothing. Like their body language is pathetic. Nothing mm. is working for them. Two uh, two instances this week we saw D'Lo forget to check into a game never seen that before in my life drew i've watched thousands of basketball games never, never seen, seen it either never seen a guy seen forget it. to check in a game and then watch his his team play four on five and then we watch a, a you know a potential superstar in the making in anthony edwards who we both love be completely disengaged on that one play hands on the hip not even trying to run it run a play it's disgusting it pissed me off and it got yeah. me to to the question of like and I had a couple conversations about this. Who's the guy on this team? Okay. Who is the guy that they're listening to? Now, I brought up Pat Bev earlier because Pat Bev 
once again, held people accountable, right? He's the savvy yep. NBA vet. He's traveled the world. He earned every single spot he's, he's ever played for. And I told you the story about the first day he came to Minnesota and lit everybody at everybody's asses up about what they need to do, where they need to be, what their role is on that team. And then I'm thinking to myself, you got four guys, right? D'Lo, Cat, Gobert, Anthony Edwards, right? You got four dudes making a buttload of money who all think that they're the guy, right? Mm. We, we can all sit back and, and it, it's obvious to me and to you that Anthony Edwards is, a, is the franchise guy. This is the guy who can be an, an NBA all-star, can be a top five player in the NBA in the next couple of years, probably should be right now, only dunk the ball four times this year, which is wild to me. Yeah, um, it's too little. It's way too little. Um, and then you got Cat, who's a, an all-star and made all NBA last year. You got Gobert. And then you got D. All these guys think they're the guy, but who the hell are they listening to, right? Like, who's the guy checking the guy? Is Gobert going to be listening <laughs> to what Anthony Edwards has to say? And, like, when I'm watching the game the other night, the sideline reporter, reporter it, was, it was a Minnesota home game, the sideline reporter was like, she was on the sideline like, Oh, the players are super engaged. They're all listening to what everything Tori and Prince had to say. And I'm like, do you yeah. think any of these guys are listening to this? Not, not a, not a, uh, uh, it's not a slight at, at Tori and Prince. I like him, but is, is he the guy that's actually going to check like Rudy Gobert, get these guys all on the same page. So what, like last year, that team, was they hadn't made the playoffs in whatever it was, 13, 15 years. They played defense. They played both ends of, of the court. They were they were passionate. And I think a lot of that came from, from uh, Patrick Beverly. Now, mind you, that playoff run was atrocious, right? Bonehead <laughs> play after bonehead play. But there was a lot – Minnesota fans – and the organization had a lot of hope going into this year. So yeah. while they may be 6-8 and eight right now, I don't know if this is really working out, Drew. Yeah, that's the part where I go back to the Go Bear trade and and something we talked about right when it happened was why is Conley and D'Lo not in this trade? Mm. Right. And I think this is this is the moment where we point back to that and go, this is this is where Conley should be on this team. Mike Conley should be on this team. D'Angelo Russell should be in Utah or or elsewhere. Um, or they should have kept Pat Bev, right? Like one of those two things should have should have transpired especially with the willingness that Utah seemed to be taking anybody, right? Like granted that this team of misfits has turned into somewhat of a powerhouse in the early days of the NBA this season. Uh, it's, it's clear to me that, that that's what they're missing. Just like you said, you hit the nail on the head. They have very few veterans that are like significantly tenured veterans uh, like Torian Prince, who is one of those guys. Uh, but Conley would be the perfect, I think the perfect person to to help distribute the ball to everybody make sure we're calling everyone's number make sure ant isn't getting bored over there because he hasn't touched the ball in a minute and a half right make sure that cat gets his post touches or gobert gets his post touches cat gets those those pick and pop opportunities um but i do think it's it's it starts with d'angelo russell i'll be honest with you right because ball ball's in his hand a lot and a lot of the way that your your organization will play will we'll definitely be based on who's bringing the ball up and who's calling the plays, who's running the show. I do think we, we could potentially be looking at like a similar situation with Steve Nash in the Nets with Chris Finch here in, in, uh, in Minnesota. Not to say that they're not listening to him, but the other aspect of what we talked about there is like the willingness to play for your coach. That can really change how your effort is. But there's also the other, the, the, the secondary aspect is the willingness to play with each other. Right. And we've seen that happen time and time again, you know, most notably between Shaq and Kobe, when you had a very you know, established uh, all star type of caliber player in Shaquille O'Neal. I'm not going to compare Shaq to Carl Anthony Towns in any capacity because Shaq is significantly better. We all know that. But Carl Anthony Towns is the veteran between the two. And then you had a, an upstart in Kobe Bryant and an upstart here in Anthony Edwards, who are showing uh, elite level of athleticism shot making capabilities um, and and desire to be the guy right like that's one thing that we can say def definitively whether everyone else in the organization agrees or not with our thoughts Anthony Edwards is the guy and needs to be the guy that's why you drafted him when you did he shows the the uh, capabilities of really becoming an all NBA type of a talent 
and I think in certain circumstances, you got to just at, at some point, you got to go, let's do that. Like, let's focus on getting him 20 to 25 shots a game. And that means, Carl, you're you're not going to shoot 20 times a game. D'Angelo Russell, you are definitely not shooting 20 times a game. And Gobert, I think the interesting thing about him is like he doesn't care. He can score eight points and he'll be fine. Like I, from what I've understood of his mentality, he wants to be on the court as you know as often as he can to protect the rim, do his thing on the rebound, clean up the garbage on offense. Uh, so I don't think his his impact on the offense is uh, tremendous as far as like taking away from everybody else. But I will say it, the adjustment thing that we talked about as well when when you bring a guy like Gobert onto your team who is so limited in his offensive capabilities. It, it limits the spacing on the floor. It limits what you're used to doing without having a guy like Gobert on your team on the court for a long time. Um, and I think, you know, the, the idea of the twin towers uh, I still think there's a, there's a chance that they can figure out how that works with, with Gobert and cat on the floor together, uh, but they haven't cracked the code yet. And I honestly think perhaps, a way something that I would suggest is like run the pick and roll at the, at the top with Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, like have that have Towns be the dribbler. Now that could that could go really wrong, right? It could very easily be a terrible idea, uh, but maybe having a couple of those instances where you have Carl Anthony Towns able to come come off the dribble around a Gobert screen, who who is the number one screen setter has been for a very long ever, time, ever forever. And get Cat a clean look, and then and then the defense has to react, right? And and most likely they're going to drop because Gobert is going to be that roller who's going to go to the rim, and Cat can get a step back three or even just a, a pull up three pretty easily. But it's not going to be cracked with just that one recommendation, and it's not going to be cracked even with Chris Finch doing all the X's and O's perfectly until the team wants to play with each other. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Yeah, uh, one of the one of the coaches, one of the assistant coaches in an interview came out and said uh, they asked him like, what's, what's wrong with the team? And he said, well, we, we don't compete. Right. And he said, I never thought I'd have to say this 11 games into an NBA season that we're not competing. And, you know, I think also drew when you lose these role players and I'm big on role players this year, you, when you lose a Vanderbilt, when you lose a Pat Bev, when you lose a Beasley Vanderbilt and Beasley are both thriving in Utah right now. Right. And I mean, Pat Bev's the only one that's really not thriving and we'll get into the Lakers here in a minute, but the role players are so important. We're seeing like in golden state, the loss of Otto Porter and the loss of GP two. So they're having a really hard time on the bench. And a lot of these role guys, especially we've talked about the jazz a lot on this show, they're still playing really good basketball with these role guys that have bought into a system that know their role. I just think, I know Rudy, has been trying to, I know they went out to like a team dinner the other night, trying to get this chemistry, trying to figure out, I know a cat missed training camp. So that was a big deal, but like he went, they all went out to dinner and Rudy tried to get all the guys to eat bone marrow and they were scared to eat bone (laughs) marrow. And Rudy's like, yo, this is delicious. I just, I I think they need to figure out the the hierarchy of how this team is going to go. And unless you have the, the alpha at the top, like, yo, this is my team. This is how it's going to run. And everybody else will, you know, we'll figure out our way to make this work. But this can be a disaster, man. And they did mortgage a lot to bring Rudy there for whatever reason. And I think the fans are pissed, too. When you're looking at these games, I think it was six of the six of their first 11 games. They were down 18 at one point of those games, all else. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just keep watching these games and, and, and it's hard to watch because they start pouting when things aren't when things aren't going their way. Anthony Edwards would just throw up a dumbass shot that makes no sense. That's what we saw in the playoffs last year with Cat and D'Lo. And then he, in, in a post game interview, said that like you know on back to backs, my legs really aren't aren't all there. And I'm like, bro, you are the most elitist athlete in the NBA, and you're 21. If you're Kawhi or if you're LeBron or you're these guys that, you know, got a lot. I guess Kawhi doesn't have a lot of miles like like LeBron. But then you, like, you got to be over 30 first to say, like, yo, my legs really aren't all there yet. So I don't know. I think there's a they, they have a lot of work that they got to do. Yeah. And I think that also like that, that is pretty clear for us to see, especially, too, when they're chirping at each other in the media. Right. Like. Carl Anthony Towns saying that he doesn't like what Ann Edwards like eats certain things or whatever. You know, like they just 
they're in a really bad spot right now. And, and the, you know, the reason I brought up the Kobe Shaq Lakers is because that's the one that I most intimately was able to like, unfortunately witness unfold in my, in my younger years was like, why, why does Shaq, why can't Shaq and Kobe exist? Why can't they do it? We could have done it. We should have done it. They should have figured it out. And then, you know, as soon as they, they retire and become older, even before retiring, like they're, they, they immediately knew that they, they screwed the pooch on this. And I, again, I don't want to compare that dynasty and those two caliber type of players with what we have here in Minnesota, but the situation right now is very similar from everything I can see when, when players start talking indirectly to each other via quotes in the media, that's about as bad as it gets. That's about as minimal as communication as you can possibly have between two guys that have to spend a lot of damn time together. So they just got to figure that out. And I don't know what, I that's think where it, veteran leadership really comes into play too, though, Cliff. So, I mean, yeah. while Torian Prince may, maybe he doesn't grab the ears of every single player, uh, he, he might, you know, be able to help, you know, mesh that portion of it uh, sooner rather than later. At least they have Torian Prince as a vet who who has been in in really great team on really great teams with really great individual stars. I remember that Atlanta Hawks team that he was a part of. They had a lot of uh, guys that that wanted the ball, that wanted to shoot, that wanted to get their own numbers. Uh, but they were they you know they found some pretty decent success with that that roster all those years ago. Um, so anyway, it's the writing on the wall is scary right now for Minnesota, especially because you're kind of locked in. I mean, you're, you're kind of locked into the squad, right? Based on all the moves you just made this off season to bring Gobert in. And uh, you know, with, with Carl Anthony Towns contract, the only one that's kind of relatively easy to move, I think is D'Angelo Russell, but the rest of the core is going to be there for a little while. So they, they do need to figure this out. And something that I, that I always remember is like, while we all assume these guys need to be best friends or whatever, you don't have to, you don't have to be best friends with the guy, but there has to be a mutual level of respect. And I think maybe that starts with just like a bridge. There's gotta be some sort of bridge between Carl Anthony Towns and, and Anthony Edwards. Um, because that's, that's the way to, to get them back on the same page and, and see a little bit more of what we saw last year. Yeah. I, you know, back to what you said about Shaq and Kobe though, Shaq and Kobe were both, so alpha males and we knew it everybody knows it mm. right it's their makeup it's who they are they both were with the four guys that we have just mentioned by the way we've never never mentioned torian's torian prince's name so much on a podcast before i don't think yeah. we ever have right but like with all Probably these not. guys we, <laughs> we mentioned the only guy that has that makeup that at least i see is anthony edwards i don't see cat as yeah. that guy i don't see as much as they all three want to be so it's kind of like the only guy that's really can play that role on that team is Anthony Edwards. So I'm going to, again, another team that I'm going to be curious about uh, in the, in the following weeks, because this could look really bad too, Drew. Like if this turns out, I think they're in the eight or the or lower than that. They're in the 10th spot right now. Um, they got to figure something out. So yeah, more Luca Garza. Let's, let's get Luca Garza on the floor more, please. That's get Garza on the floor. Drew says um, Lakers are now three and 10. Are right things looking up? We both well, clips, wanted... we're, we're on a winning streak. We're on a winning streak right now. We've you won are one on game. a winning streak. Um, I think it's great how Russ is just thriving off the bench. Uh, starter Russ was 10.3 points per game, 6.7 boards, 4.3 assists. He was shooting 28.9% field goals as a starter. Bench Russ, 16.3 points a game, seven rebounds, six assists, 46% shooting. They're two and one with Russ coming off the bench. I love it. I said I would love it. And any Laker fan that comes out here, and I posted it on our page last night, and says anything to the fact of like, oh, knew it all the time, always knew Russ had it in him. <laughs> you guys have been crucifying this man for so long. And we have, we have two. We've said our pieces on this show about Russ. But we yeah. both believed that coming off the bench would be the best for Russ and for the Lakers. Uh, he looks like he's, he's having fun out there. He looks joyful again. Um, he's playing his ass off. He got some props from KD last night saying just the different things he brings to a basketball game when he's playing Russ basketball. Um, so first, I want to know your thoughts on Russ. Mm -hmm. And then I, I got two more questions for you. Okay. Well, I would like to like, I would personally like to thank Russell Westbrook for just just seeing this, like seeing how this goes, checking it out, because it does two things for this Lakers team, right? It, it, 
it gets the monkey off the back a little bit, if you will, like for an analogy here, like Russ, Anthony, Anthony Davis, LeBron James is like, oh my God, it's not going to work, right? That's what Lakers fans are. That's what we've seen with our own two eyes. It's like, this is not going to work. So I, I appreciate Russ actually finally going, okay, let's, let's try this. And then, and then also like bringing the intensity to the table with the second unit, because we're giving him carte blanche in that second unit. It's exactly what he wants. There's multiple possessions where he does not need to pass the ball and where no one is complaining. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's not the case when he's in the first unit with Anthony Davis, LeBron James. And when he does that shit, guess who's hanging their heads? Both of those guys. But when he does that shit on the second unit, nobody's nobody's saying shit because a lot of times he's either getting fouled or he's going to the rack or, you know, he's, he's, he's been able to dish out some really nice passes occasionally. Um, to guys, uh, but I would say the freedom with which he seems to be playing is something that blew me away. So I, I and we have been very hard. I have been very harsh on Russell Westbrook, uh, and I'm very happy to see him play with that level of joy. Right, like that's the first time I've seen him be a little bit happy uh, since he's been <laughs> since he's been a Laker. Like all the all the happiness moments that I've seen from from Russ have been very fleeting. Um, so yes, we <laughs> we needed that switch. But the second thing it does clips is it almost like eliminates him from being the scapegoat anymore, right? Yeah, it's not his fault. Can't all be his fault, right? It can't all be his fault. He's not starting. Sometimes he's not finishing the games. It's like, cool. Like, now now the blame is a little bit off me here. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that also might be the reason why he's happy as well. He goes like, well, motherfuckers, you can't blame (laughs) me Told you so. Can't blame me now, (laughs) right? Right. And I think the biggest thing for me when 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 talking about Russell Westbrook on the Lakers has always been the fit doesn't work. And I still feel that way. I still feel like this fit. I mean, shit, bro, we, we gave up a lead to that Nets team that we got that win on. It was down to three points because starting the fourth quarter. Uh, luckily, we we're able to run away with it a little bit there. But, you know, it's still not good. The Lakers still are not very pretty. And the switch to Russell moving to the bench didn't change the roster entirely. Right. Yes, it shifted some things around. Uh, and allowed Russ to operate more freely in a, in a role that he's more comfortable doing. Uh, so he's flourishing in that. But our team is not better. Our team is not flourishing. We didn't replace him with some elite player in the starting lineup. So my, my feelings towards Russ still remain that I don't think he should be on this team. I think for him and for the Lakers, it's better if they part ways. And I, but I do think that this can help expedite that. Now, I don't know where he stands with this. I don't know if he would be happy to be uh, the sixth man of the year on this Lakers team, and then happy to kind of prove all the haters wrong with those good numbers that he's going to put up off this uh, in the second unit, but still be in a losing situation like we are. I don't know if that would make him happy to be in LA and be in that kind of circumstance, or if he would want to be a starting point guard on a different team in a different city. Uh, I, that's, you know, that's kind of, I think that's going to be up to him as to how he accepts that challenge if it comes to a trade point of view. So I still hold firm that the Lakers would be better if we were able to trade Russell Westbrook and get pieces back to fill out the roster more adequately and hopefully with more shooting. But that's how I feel about Russ. I, I would like to commend him for doing this, for actually going through with it, trying it out. And he is seeing success. And our second unit is doing better with him in it. 100%. Well, he did go from plus 8,000 to win six man <laughs> of the year to plus 195 almost overnight. Which is crazy. Yep. And I think, look, man, if you think about it, winning six man of the year would be huge for us. It's just another trophy to put on a Hall of Fame career. I think that's part of his process, too, when he really had to sit back and think about this. Like, how is this going to benefit me? Right. And I think winning six man of the year would be a big deal. But unfortunately, you have to win more games as well. So, Drew, you know me uh, better than anybody as far as basketball goes. What is the one thing I hate most about Russell Westbrook? What's the one thing I hate the most that I wish he would stop doing? The rock the baby. Rock the freaking baby to sleep, all right? And it <laughs> pisses me off so much. And I don't know why. Again, it's the Lakers. I don't necessarily want them to win. But let me tell you, I even had to die. I had to dig. I Clips had to dig into the archives to figure this out. Yeah. Every time he's rocked the baby to sleep this year, you've lost. Every one of them. And the guys he's picking to choose it to do to is just like, dude, rock the baby to sleep to Jordan Clarkson. You take the L. Rock the baby. To, as soon as he rocked the baby to sleep on Luke Kennard the other night, I'm like, oh, that's it. Rap. 
took the L. <laughs> Rock the baby to sleep on Kevin Herter for whatever reason in the first quarter, stares him down and rocks the baby to sleep. <laughs> you get the L. So I wish Russell would stop doing that. And if you're going to do it, do it to somebody that like, and then I think Pat Bev hopped in on one of those and then did the night night, like the Steph, like yeah, Russ grabbed the baby and put it to sleep. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> Unbelievable. I wish Russ would stop doing that. Um, do you wish he'd stop doing it too? It's annoying, man. And it fires yeah, up. I don't the care. Other team. I, I don't care. I don't okay. care. I'm so over it. I mean, I wish we had all the, all the, all the, you're too small. I hate that. Or the rock, the baby to sleep shit. Right. Like all that, all that I'm done with. How about uh, this one? I think it's, it was it, so. I think let me let me say this. Like, if you do it once, I think that has a big impact, right? Like, like if Russ just did it like that, he banged out on some like uh, the Go uh-huh. Bear dunk, for instance, last mm-hmm. season. Last season, the, the 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 number one highlight for the entire mm-hmm. Lakers organization mm-hmm. was Russ banging on Go Bear. If he did the rock the baby to sleep right then and never did it again, imagine how much clout he would have for that. It'd moment. be epic. So maybe just uh, you know. I agree with you. If he's going to pull it out, I would love it to be like uh, one that makes sense. Like, yeah, not on headband herder, (laughs) not on headband herder against Sacramento in November. Okay. And then get teed up. And homie, you get teed up. It changes the whole tide of the game. You know what else I want players to stop doing? God damn it. Boomer clips is back in the house, bro. Uh Can we not shoot a sideline three pointer without somebody talking either to the crowd or to the opposing bench? This happens every single time. It'll be first quarter. Kelly Oubre will be blowing kisses to the bench in the first quarter. Can we just stop? (laughs) The only person that's allowed to do this is Steph. All right. If he wants to turn around and look at the bench and do it, do it. I'm over it really quick. Drew. Yeah. If this pick swap happens, Lakers say Pelicans get Pelicans get Wembo because of the Lakers pick swap. How pissed off will you be? Will you be pissed off, or will will it just be you'll be fine because you got the chip for it? Yeah, no, you can't be pissed off, right? Like, yeah, I mean, yes, we can be upset about that, but like, look, dude, like, I, I the fact that we're this bad is pissing me off more than anything else could possibly piss us off mm-hmm. right like yes i understand that if we finish dead last we have a 33 percent chance of pulling that number one ball out the hat and giving that pick over to new orleans uh which would it would suck but we did it i mean we did the right trade i still think we made the really good trade for anthony davis and yes we gave up a lot but when you look around at what that caliber of playing was going for during that time and then look at what the fuck Minnesota just gave up for Gobert. I'm yeah, I feel okay about like okay. All right, fine. I think the bigger thing is like let's not fucking be in the, one of the worst three teams in the NBA when you have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook on the floor. Or like, can we can we make something more out of that than a bottom three finish? We better fucking be able to because it, I mean that's historically terrible. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't know. I just thought I I thought I'd ask that. Maybe we'll save it for the next show because I, I I wanted to see if if shopping AD would be something you'd be interested in. And sure. I want, I want to say that for another show. Cause I might, we might be at that stage shortly. I don't know. Cause you got to rebuild <laughs> for the future at some point. Um, I'm going to save a lot of what I want to say about the Clippers for my fully loaded clips episode that I've put off for a little bit, but I want you to, I, I'll sum it up for you, Drew. Tell me what sound this is. Mm, it's like a, typing clicking clicking that's what it is drew you want to know why because my clicker my clippers are clicking right now i knew it was going to take a little bit of time the clickers we call them the clickers now i love it actually that's just it's branded now the los angeles (laughs) clickers we're finally (laughs) clicking okay it's happening paul george is playing at the mvp level minus yesterday against uh against brooklyn because it was a weird game, and those damn day games always get the Clippers. Paul George has been playing out of his mind. Norm is coming around. Luke looks really good. Uh, the two L's that we've taken in the past uh, week and a half have been good L's. I was fine with them. I love how we played against the Jazz the other night. I th- even though we lost, I thought we played really well. We could have won that game, but we didn't. I didn't mind. I, I minded the fourth quarter uh, against Brooklyn, but it was a weird game from the get-go. A lot of whistles early. Paul didn't really get into his groove. I'm not too pissed off about it. We have a back-to-back Houston and Dallas tonight. We already saw Houston twice last week. Mm. I think we have their number. But again, these guys are coming to play and to win ballgames. What I'm happy with is that we're playing better team basketball. I'm still a little concerned about Reggie. You know how I am with body language and whatnot. 
I'm a little concerned. It's time for John Wall to start starting basketball games. It really is. But yeah. like Russell Westbrook off the bench, he's their, he's their igniter. He's that guy. John Wall coming off the bench has been, uh, you know, nothing short of like fantastic minus his free throw shooting. So I want to see more from Reggie. Reggie, where are you at? And I, I'm hoping that comes along. But seeing Norm play the way we want Norm to play, aggressive going to the hoop, yeah. knocking down shots, not second-guessing shots, same thing with Luke. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy with where we're at, but it seems like I jinxed the guys a lot. And we got, we got Houston, and then we got Luca tomorrow night. Um, I will say this. Kawhi's been playing five-on-five. Five. That's the biggest question uh, that everybody's been asking. Where is Kawhi? Kawhi, aren't you playing? Ty Lue came out and said that, you know, first of all, shout out to my boy Tomer, who's been covering the Clippers brilliantly with everything that we want to hear. And his postgame interviews have been great. But uh, Kawhi's back to playing five on five. He's been doing runs with the boys, a couple of the assistant coaches. I'm making a call right now. I'm calling December 3rd against wow. Sacramento is going to be my call. We have two days off prior to that. I think that's going to be the return of Kawhi. And it can't Jesus. come. What? December, oh, Jesus, man, that's we're almost uh, there. I, I, but well, yeah, I, yeah, we're but the three weeks away from December, but or t- a little over two weeks, I guess. But man, I, I, December, I, why is he not playing? I, just, I don't understand. I don't understand. Why do you think December and not January? Like, why think, do we think December and not next week? Like, I just, I, the, it, this, this saga is exhausting me. It's so exhausting. <laughs> So exhausting. (laughs) It's so exhausting. And we're just going to keep talking about how, you know, we need Kawhi for the playoffs. And that's true. I think, I think Kawhi playing in those first two games, I think he realized like the speed of the game right now is crazy, right? This, this AAU pace is freaking crazy. And that's really not Kawhi's game. Kawhi's is a slow, methodical, pick your poison type shit. And I just don't think the knee was ready for that yet. And yes, that's concerning. Why isn't it as good? Or it's, I always think that it's part of the grand scheme of things. Cause we were even talking in the playoffs last year. I thought Kawhi was going to play. A lot of people did yeah, think they, he was going to play. You guys were like one week away from bringing him back in the playoffs. Like I if had he, a call on the playing game. We, he was going to be in, he was going to be in round one. Well, yo, we I, I beat the Pel- I called it. We beat the Pelicans. Kawhi's coming back to play. That's yeah. what's, that's what's going to happen. Um, so it is, it is frustrating, but <clears throat> I always hope that it's a great, it's a, it's a bigger chess play to me. Right. I don't want to rush anything back. I really don't. I think the boys are playing fine. I think Paul George is playing out of his mind. If you don't think Paul George is a top five guy right now, I you're not watching basketball. I understand the first couple games he was having the respiratory issues, which I didn't even know about too well. He couldn't catch his breath, but he's been phenomenal lately. And he's playing like, you know, taking the accountability. We're going to play as good as I let us or as I get us to play. And he's been Mm -hmm. living by that. So. Mm -hmm. I am a little concerned, Drew, and we do need to play cohesively as a team with Kawhi, right? And it, right. it the imbalance of like, is Norman starting today? Oh, no, he's eighth man today. Oh, shit, it's T-man getting 20 minutes, then a DNP. We got to figure that shit out, you know? Yeah. Because it's frustrating to veteran players. So uh, I'm going to talk more about it on the, on the, uh, follow, on the, the follow through with clips. <laughs> on uh fully loaded clips but we got we got to kind of wrap this up here Drew. I need your bouquet baller of the week. Yeah. Well, I one thing that I'll say is I'm I'm almost positive that the Golden State Warriors are super stoked that the Lakers suck so much and that there's all this turmoil with the Nets. I said that. Uh because they are struggling right now. They are on the struggle bus. You touched on it briefly with their, you know, their rotation guys. They're still they're still going through some growing pains, but they look, other than Steph, they look a little bit wayward right now. Uh, but they look like that in March, and then they won a fucking title. So, like, wh- who, you know, honestly, maybe that's why we're not talking about it. We're just like, we we kind of just assume they'll all figure it out, right? Um, my bouquet of flowers, bouquet of flowers, is going to a guy that we brought up briefly here. But his name is Troy Brown Jr. Mm. And while the Lakers um, are definitely still struggling... The reason I'm handing these flowers out to Troy is he's finally getting a shot, man. He's he's been around the league for a while uh, and bounced around, never really got a whole lot of minutes from any of the places that he's been to. I played a little bit in Washington here and there, uh, picked up a couple injuries and things like that. But he's found a home in our starting lineup clips. And I, I value him because while, you know, again, the Lakers are struggling, he's not he's not, you know, uh, lighting the 
the NBA on fire. I mean, the guy's averaging like 10 points a game, but he's giving, he's doing the dirty work, man. And while, you know, our shooting woes continue to be a problem uh, and, you know, he's, he's shooting at 44% from the floor, uh, 32% from three, he's doing all of the nitty gritty shit that we need to do when you have a, you know, relatively stacked uh, high end level players on your team. And then a bunch of like middling guys, he's often guarding the best player on the opposition, uh, which, you know, we're, we're doing okay defensively. I'd love for us to do better defensively, but we're doing okay. And a lot of that has to go. The credit has to go to Troy Brown jr. He's getting 27 minutes a game starting most of these games. Uh, and I just, I want to, I want to, you know, honor him a little bit here, man. Congrats. Like he's broken through. I think he's a very solid NBA player. He actually is showing some really great finishing skills at the rim to me. He's slashing on offense and cutting and getting those, you know, uh, kind of up and unders, little reverse layups here and there, an occasional yam or two, uh, and then hitting open shots, but mostly like making the right basketball decisions. And uh, as a Lakers fan who has not seen a lot of good basketball decisions displayed <laughs> in the last season, and and you know sometimes during the start of this season, it's nice to see a guy who cares that much. Uh, you know, Lonnie Walker, I, I was almost the guy that I gave this to. He's getting a lot of notoriety. He had a great game last night against the Nets. I like Lonnie Walker a lot. We've talked about him, but I have not talked about Troy Brown Jr. And I wanted to give him some flowers. So congratulations to Troy Brown. You made the list. Uh, I just, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say, I love when he's on the floor. Every time he's on the floor, I'm like, yes, good. Like he does good things happen, tend to happen when he's on the court for us. Yeah. He does smart shit and he can shoot. He's been a bright yep. spot for you guys. hundred percent. And he's part of our basketballnews.com network. He's part of the family. Exactly. So we gotta, gotta give him some love. I had a couple people reach out and say who they wanted for, for the bouquet, bouquet ballers of the week. But, uh, you know, I wanted to stay away from like all-star caliber guys because they already get their flowers, but I yeah, did. That's my, what this is supposed to be, I think. Yeah. It is, but like I couldn't resist the Darius Garland 50 piece this week. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, the reason being, there was a lot of scoring this week, Drew. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder scored 277 points this weekend. Uh, Joel Embiid <laughs> had 101 points in 24 hours. Like there's been a lot of scoring and Darius Garland, who is an all-star, who we yep. both like a lot, came out and dropped a 50 piece as well. And the reason why I bring it up is because I know in today's NBA, like I guess 50, a 50 piece isn't that big of a deal. It is a big deal for a lot of people. What do you remember about Brandon Jennings, right? Besides one of the dopest high school mixtapes of all times and uh, a kind of another great story of what if, right? Like I love Brandon Jennings, but what you remember yeah. is his 50 point game, right? And Darius Garland dropping 50. There's a lot of players in the NBA, great Hall of Fame players that have never dropped 50. And that includes yeah. Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Garnett, Steve Nash, Magic Johnson, Julius Irving. A lot of people haven't scored 50. They can't say that. Darius did. And we're both really excited about this backcourt of Darius and Donovan. And while I don't want to be continuing, continuing doing all-stars, I want more of the Troy Brown Jr. picks. I wanted to throw some flowers to Darius Garland because I think it's a big accomplishment, especially for a guy who wasn't that coveted of a player coming out. No, absolutely. I mean, 51 and, and the, the, the shitty part is, man, is, is they lost that game, mm. right? Like that's a tough, I mean, like of, uh, in history, I wonder how many of those 50 point games came with a loss. That's gotta be one of the few. Well, Devin right? Booker had 70 in a loss, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. They yeah. That wasn't even really close to a game um, and <laughs> where he dropped 70. Um, shout out to Jay Crowder, who I think had the best clap back there. Still took that L. <laughs> Uh, as a tweet after the picture where Devin Book was holding up the 70 points on the on the piece of paper like Wilt. Um, and anyway. they became teammates. And then become teammates. Yeah, they became, right? then they became teammates and now estranged once again. Uh, but yeah, I Garland is a spectacular basketball player. I, I, I can see him really owning the point guard position moving forward with this generation that he's in. Uh, he can do everything. I, there's, there's, there's very little he can't do. And, and, and the crazy thing is, is like, he just had that eye problem. So he, like he got poked in the eye or whatever it was, like, it was a really weird eye injury that uh, somebody swiped for the ball and popped him right in, right in the, in the, I think it was the ocular cavity, I think, but you know, that, that takes some time and, and some adjusting to get used to that, as you know, very well, close yeah. to your eye problems, but uh, to drop 51 
and and really almost bring them back. They were down by a, a pretty big margin in that game to bring them almost all the way back. Big tip of the cap for Julius and and Embiid dropping fifty nine. We got to give at least one flower to Embiid. You drop fifty nine, you're going to get a flower from Clips and Drew. At least one. Hey, that was that a was hell of a performance. That was me. one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen in my life. That yep. was unbelievable. And while the guy can't do it every single night. He yeah. did it. I mean, dude, he almost quadruple doubled. It was huge. That's what I kept thinking was I thought we were going to have a David Robinson moment. I thought we were going to have it again. I, in the fourth quarter, I was like, man, if he gets three more blocks, uh-huh. like, you know, Clarkson, keep keep going to the rim, man. Let's see if there's many more times he can block you. Let's get up to 10. Hey, as much I thought, as we I thought love, a quadruple double was coming. As much as we love Utah Jazz, they ain't got no answer for Joel. No. They got nothing. <laughs> For Joel Olinick and uh, Vanderbilt had had some problems last night, so you're right. Two, I, I'll I'll throw a flower in too. Give me a final thought, Drew. Okay, final thought. This one is relatively personal to me. For those of the uh, the uh, people that are new to the show here, uh, I am an ardent Liverpool supporter. Love Liverpool uh, football club. Um, go Reds! But there was big news out of Liverpool. And, and the reason it pertains to this is because LeBron James happens to be involved in this. Mm. The ownership group, Fenway Sports Group, that owns a majority stake in Liverpool Football Club has opened it up for offers. Uh, the reason that I'm even bringing this up is because maybe some people know, maybe some don't. LeBron James owns a piece, is a, is a part of the Fenway Sports Group. Uh, and Fenway, when they, when they took it over, uh, bought the club for like $330 million, roughly right in there. And it is recently been evaluated for almost four, four and a half billion dollars. <laughs> so uh, I'm bringing this up because number one, uh, whoever buys them, please respect the traditions of the club. It, the mm-hmm. traditions run very deep for a very long time. And we're, we're probably maybe not this year, but ar- arguably in the last four or five seasons, we've been, number one or number two soccer team in the world. And that's it's up for debate if you'd like, but we're certainly up there with any, any other team you'd like to mention. Uh, so please don't fuck it up, whoever buys the team. And then secondly, LeBron, you know, well done. Well done, LeBron. I mean, I, 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 the guy keeps winning. I, I, you know, not necessarily in the league right now. We don't keep winning, but it generally in life, LeBron is crushing it. Oh, he's I mean, won this, in life. This, this vest, this investment is going to skyrocket for him uh, when the sale eventually comes, and it reminded me clips of Kobe's very small donation or you know ownership level in body armor. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, body Flip armor that. piece that he bought, and then what that turned into. Like it went, it went from, I think it was five mil, to like two hundred mil, something along those lines. I, I have to assume that's that's what LeBron's looking at here. So the rich get richer in that sense. Uh, but big shout out to LeBron and whoever was advising him on that piece there. Um, congrats. He's going to he's going to make more money. <laughs> Everything he touches is gold. I think the winner of investments will always be 50 cent and vitamin water. I think yeah. he's the one I think that put in like 150K with like a 400 million uh, comeback on that. So he was a winner on that body armor for sure. Uh, and body armor was a proud sponsor of the follow through with clips and drew too. Uh, so mine's going to be kind of personal too, Drew, you know, uh, through social media, I've been dealing with a lot of that for a long time. Uh, I've made a lot of friends through social media friends, even for, for us, for clips and drew, we've made friends all over the world. Uh, people that support us, that engage with us that I consider family and friends, a lot of people, whether it's the clips page or our clips and drew page, we've met and made a lot of friends and I have a friend. Uh, we're going to call her Shank because that's her name, Shank. She's been a homie of mine, never met her in my life, but has been a follower of mine. And we have engaged and talked. She's a diehard Clipper fan. Um, she's been a homie for a really long time. And she informed me that this week she's going to be going in for cancer treatment. And oh. I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to say that I, I, I talked to her on the sideline the other day. I want to send super positive vibes to her because her spirits mm. are high. And she's a very, very positive person. But this is like why I love social media so much is because you do meet so many people from different walks of life. And, you know, basketball is all encompassing for us. It's what brings all of us together. And the Clippers brought me and her together. She listens to our show a lot. So I just want everybody to send the vibes because this girl's going to be going yeah. through it 
for a while and uh yeah. send some vibes for me drew yeah prayers up prayers up for sure good luck everybody everybody listening to the show Godspeed. too yeah. yeah hell yeah we're with you and I, i'm gonna give you an updates too because uh i think she, she's definitely gonna beat this our our thoughts are with you sweetheart so uh clipper game's about to start 5 p.m Houston tour. I got to watch this game, Drew, and I got to go ice my back. I got to put on the cryo freeze. I got magnesium. I got to take, I got some turmeric, uh, that I got to have, but <laughs> it won't be 13 days until we drop another podcast. Okay. So we're going to yeah. be back shortly. Let us know if you want us, you know, to talk about anything that's that you find important or relative to what we're doing. Let us know screenshot when you're listening to the show, follow us at clips and drew. If you're not following our stories, they are so fire right now. They are so fire. You're getting a backstage look at, at the games that are going on right now. Dope ass pictures. So follow the page, follow at drew the right thing at clips five, five, five. We're going to be back in a week. It's the follow through with clips and drew and we're ghost. You know what it is. You know-